And three, two, one. Hello, and welcome back to another edition of A Humanistic Perspective. As always, I am your host, Chad Castilla, and this week I have the fortunate privilege of being joined back up with one of the hosts I actually started the show with in its first iteration and conception of the existing. And I'm super eager to jump into this conversation. It's late. It's super clutch that you're here. And I just can't wait to see what we get into today. Folks, I'm joined with Lillian Stadler. Lily, how are you? Good. How are you? Good, good. I'm so happy that you're on the show. Thank you for joining me. Yeah, no problem. You know, after I featured on your podcast, I actually started my own. Yeah, so I wanted to maybe take a second and jump there. Like, it's been a minute since everything with the formulation of how this changed and all that. What have you been up to? Well, I was going to the Cleveland School of Cannabis, and I was a couple months in when we started recording episodes. And I finally graduated in August, and Congrats. I'm going to get my diploma in December, so I'm very excited for that. And I'm actually going to an event in October no for kidding. the Cleveland School of Cannabis, so that's going to be a lot of fun. You're actually going to join me for that one. Yeah, so. more info to come on that trip. It should be good. Tons of networking mm -hmm. and a great opportunity to s rekindle old friendships. Yes. <laughs> which will be super cool. What's been, how was going to the Cleveland School of Cannabis? Talk about that a little bit for me. I loved it. I'm okay. excited for them because they're actually branching out and... Um, you said they're becoming accredited as a part of a s another institution, right? Like they're joining? Mm-hmm. And then they're also working on their own accreditation for the school. So okay, you cool. can get your diploma there or a degree instead of just a certification. So will you get an honorary degree once that is implemented? I'm not sure. That's actually something I'm going to ask them when I go go there. Yeah. Smart. Damn, that's sick. Okay. And you so you started your own podcast. Why? What's it about? Catch me up to speed with that. So Geeking Cannabis is kind of a passion project i like doing it because it helps with my speaking skills because sometimes i don't articulate my words sometimes i have a hard time with like having a free-flowing thought mm. that it forces me to do that and also i'm teaching people about cannabis something that yeah. i love and that i'm passionate about and i'm just trying to make sure I'm putting out factual information and I say on there too like if something I say ends up not being right let me know because I'm a student I'm doing the best I can to keep up with my work and other things I've got going on in my life but also just wanting to put out good information that I've learned that if it's not right hey I'll fix it and I'll let people know what it actually is so in that way like I'm excited because there's not a lot of people that are interviewing in the cannabis industry. I mean, sure, we have a lot of this stuff that's just starting, but how many views do they really have? Not that many. Everybody's just starting. And some advice I got, actually, um, from Duchess, she was a great interview. I had a lot of fun with her. Uh, shout out to Duchess. Yeah. Uh, shout out to the dank Duchess. She <laughs> is 
a queen of cannabis and I had a lovely conversation about her with extracts and stuff like that but Sick. she let me know that the future is going to be like doing interviews and stuff like that and like really mm. connecting with what's actually going on in the industry and like having a YouTube channel as well and showing the products. So that's something that I'm like, hey, maybe that's something I could do. Maybe it's not. But I think it's important to give facts out there for what is going on in the industry and what I've learned and just ways to push people to how can we do this better? Mm. Because I love puzzles. I always have. So I think that's part of my wanting to problem solve and figure out where all the pieces go, you know? And I can't do everything, but I can inspire people to do it. That's really, really unique. I like to, um, your like tempered approach at trying to just re-demonstrate and reconnect with people who are talking, discussing cannabis and sharing like a positive light and a, not even like a, like just more of a, of a clear instinctual and natural connection with the plant rather than like a connection that's based on a connotation or a need to be pushing an agenda or trying to make value or anything. It's just more about like, Hey, let's really experience and see how our passion for this substance and for this plant really can inspire and create a bigger dialogue in an open community where people feel accepted to talk about it. Yeah, and I think a big part of it is showing that really any job can be in the cannabis industry. Like by opening yeah, talk the about cannabis some market, what's been going on? Well, by opening the cannabis market, you're actually allowing in so many different businesses. That's um, BC Wayman. I did an episode with him where we talked mm-hmm. about the business side of cannabis. Lovely episode. He was one of my favorite teachers from the Cleveland School of Cannabis. He mm-hmm. has his own podcast, um, Wayward Media sick shout out to that yeah he's he's so cool he was such a great teacher he inspired you to do better and to think harder and to like just think out of the outside of the box so that Mm -hmm. was a lot of fun so if you want to learn more about um, cannabis and business i'd go to that episode where i ask a couple um, different questions about marketing and what the if it's better to penetrate the Illinois market or like a Michigan market where there's more mom and pop shops or Illinois Mm. where it is more corporation Mm. Michigan for mom and pop shops. Sure. And we, we did bring that up too. Um, I wanted to maybe talk about that. That would be a unique thing to bring up. Uh, Michigan. Remember what I was talking about the caregiver provisional. Mm -hmm. So for those of you who aren't really up to date in the current cannabis scene, Michigan legislatively has a lot more of a laxed, I should say, approach to cannabis and to regulating it. Not laxed in the regard that they're not making sure it's healthy or that it's clean product, just in the fact that um, medical patients can grow more plants and there's more access to cannabis and an easier means from personal cultivation to commercial cultivation to medical cultivation and so on and so forth. Anyways, that they have a rule and a stipulation under the caregiver law that allows for a caregiver to grow a certain amount of plants within an allotment. And it's actually a pretty decent amount. It's like, I, I believe it's somewhere under, don't quote me, but under 80 plants, something like that. And 
if you know anything about yielding for cannabis, that can be end up being a decent amount of cannabis. And so under that act, they not only have their care visional allotment that they're allowed to give out to the patients in which they are serving under that caregiver provisional, but then whatever is excess past that is tracked and then sold back to the state to be put into dispensaries as medical cannabis. So it's all being tracked and consumed for the actual medical consumption habits. However, there's propositions from the increased recreational market and the larger corporation setting to sort of try and get rid of that or push that law to be something uh, less favorable for those caregivers. And it's, it's a little disheartening to hear about that going on, but I think it's uh, extremely important and vital to bring it up and really have these clear discussions while we are at the forefront of the industry of like what what is the best approach and how can we make sure that we're honoring the plant that's my biggest thing that i think uh, as i become more acquainted with the industry i'm trying to be like very conscious and aware of is like how can we make sure that we're in diligent manner honoring this plant as best as possible mm-hmm. which i think my approach or my opinion on that and i would love to hear yours after mine is um boutique cannabis and more independent more mom and pop a because when we talk about we've talked about this before off camera a good capitalistic market has tons of opportunity and if we try and consolidate to larger and less we're going to actually stifle and create more of a monopolistic approach to the market and having more mom and pop is going to lead to increased opportunities. It's going to lead to increased human connectivity. And I think it could also increase um, overall self-happiness and community connect connectedness Yeah, mm-hmm. in general. And uh, it will help the buds too. The plants in general, the medicine will be much better with more boutique cannabis. Um, but that's, a, that's an elongated conversation. What's your... I guess maybe what's your opinion or approach on the conversation of mom, pa versus the more corporate wholesale um, standardization to other models and other industries that we currently have in the marketplace? Well, obviously, mom and pop shops are more expensive to run, right? Yes. You have factual people that you have to hire that you want to keep on and corporations they're just hiring tons of people and they're paying them minimum wage and they're just doing the most they can to make the they most y- profit. Yeah, they know how to uh maximize efficiencies by squeezing every dollar out of every sector is what you're saying and yes. I agree. Yeah. In technical terms. Yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> and with that i think it's good i think we need more mom and pop shops i think when you said the bill when you were explaining that that they're trying to get rid of that i think it should be quite the contrary i think we should be supporting and protecting Mm. our mom and pop shops because they give so like boutique harvesting and growing that you're talking about yeah i think that we need more of that I mean, you look on the market and really what the, it's mid-grades. It's low mid-grades and it's everywhere. It's not just in 
California. And that was something I was naive to before is thinking, oh, it's just Illinois and Ohio because they just opened. No, it's Michigan. It's Colorado. It's California. It's Oregon. All these states that are legal, they have mid and low grade. The connoisseurs, the people who really know their cannabis, they're growing it themselves. Mm-hmm. Or they're, you know, they're having fun with other people. Right. They're you know, networking. they're networking. Yeah. It's it's one of those things. It's like. It's really cool. It's a, it's a culture unlike anything else where. Imagine, right, you love your favorite beer or your favorite wine. But you build such an intimate relationship with it that you start growing it and brewing the hops in your garage and you start growing the actual vegetables in your garden. And then next time you go to your friend's dinner party, instead of being like, yo, look at this beer I found on the shelf at the store, you're like, yo, look at this beer I just made. And like, imagine how much cooler and how unique that experience would be. And if you can visualize that as a current consumer of those types of beverages and those types of drugs, because if we're just generalizing them as substances, then imagine that experience for a cannabis connoisseur. And that's exactly what it is like mm-hmm. for that. Um, and I want to elaborate and so that way we're not just leaving it as uh, what does that mean? But when you're talking about, I agree with you, Lillian, on uh, most of the cannabis we're seeing on the market due to the need for excessive demand and the regulations from the states not being in favor of boutique but being in favor of large corporations doing most of the majority of the work with very strict and small amounts of cultivation facilities as they're in the startups, it's forcing that low to mid-grade style, but... And it's because of how expensive it is to start. Like, it, it's you need $500,000 mm-hmm. to get in a dispensary, and that's just to that's pay yeah. the ticket. And then how much is it a month? I can't remember the amount, but... I mean, you have to have at least a million dollars in your bank account to have a dispensary. Not to mention like a grow up to to order all of the parts and to to hire all the people. Like people are cutting corners. These corporations, what they're doing is, I mean, you were telling me about this. And I (laughs) have been hearing this more since you said it to me, is that they have the self-trimming where it has three prongs and it goes up and it goes down on one side. I wanted to talk about this. I was going to bring it up. It just makes it look like a Christmas tree. It's not a beautiful bud that you're getting, and they're just cutting corners. They're not... That's where mom-and-pop shops will pay attention to that. You know you're paying for boutique cannabis, for expensive organic, and it's hand-trimmed. It's Mm -hmm. more labor, but it's worth it. Like, do you want some... It's like... I know it's not this extreme, but it's like... When you think about a dispensary, you think about the best possible quality right mm. for let's say a vape cart it's medicinal it's we're talking yes. like a lot there are people but in our let state me fin- f- yeah. let me finish my analogy and is then you have a vape cartridge that is on the street right yeah. which one do you want you want the one from dis- the dispensary obviously the boutique is what we want with that yeah it's the same conversation yeah mm-hmm. and it's like Going back to elaborate on what you were talking about with the tree prong thing, we're referring to inside the dispensaries. uh, Sorry, not inside the dispensaries. Inside the cultivation facilities where they're harvesting the crop, they, to expedite the process, 
of trimming, which is once you've picked the buds off the actual plant during your harvesting of the crop, you have to trim off all the excess leaves to get to the actual buds. There is these machines that automate that process because a human can only trim, I believe it's something around, let's say two, three pounds in a day, in 12 hour shift. That robot machine can do 20, 30 pounds comparative to the human. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. sure the ratio is um, a little off there, um, but you it's um, it's that drastic when you look at the actual statistic for that situation. But in exchange for expedited processes, what we're n- not recognizing is we're touching and you're treating a plant that mm-hmm. has trichomes, that has... Very delicate. Delicate terpenes. It has oils. It has all these rich, 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 rich processes and minerals and and natural things going on that when you use these trimming machines that are automated, they basically take like syringe-sized needles and they prod right into the middle of the bud and they aggressively shake it until the excess leafage and the part that a human would trim starts to come away and you're left with the clean bud. And like you're saying, it makes every single bud from every shop not not look like it's beautiful on an individual shape, but they're all coming out like the same Christmas tree looking uniform factory. And if you're very, 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 very conscious and looking at the product, you'll notice actually all of the... Uh, tiny holes and uh, pressings from those machines. And if you know anything about the plant, what you know, what you would recognize is as you stab it through that and you seal it in those cans, I mean, it's, it's all releasing and lowering and diminishing the, the shelf life, the health and the taste and the flavor profiles and the benefits that you need from that actual plant. Actually, shout out to Bodeva is a product that you can put into your cannabis jar. And when you're storing cannabis, please always store your cannabis in a glass jar in a cool, damp, cool, dark place. Yes. Like wine. Yeah, just like wine. And the Bodeva, like I was saying, is a hydrator for your cannabis so it keeps longer. It works. It's beautiful. I actually felt like it turned some of my cannabis back alive when it was too dried out. (laughs) I like that. That sells it hard. It's so good. When your cannabis is dead, it will come alive. Yeah. Bodeva. Bodeva. No, they're really nice, actually. Yeah, they are. We've been using it for like the last two, three weeks. I've seen you using them. And I definitely feel like the general the general moist and non-dryness of the bud is lasting longer, which is a plus side. That's what you want. You know, mm-hmm. dry bud, the only thing it's good for is rolling a joint easily. And hacking your lungs out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Literally, those two <laughs> principles tied into one. But, yeah. No, that was a great conversation about those cutting machines. To Keep turn going. back to your original point though when you yes. were t- talking about um these people growing just a couple of plants mm-hmm. and then it sells 
the rest of the dispensary for the caretakers. Yeah, in Michigan. I think that's so cool. I think it's effective, and it's nice. I love when something new or something limited, like we just had Chili Verde from Arise, hit the shelf. It's it's l- like the last time it was in was like probably four or five months ago. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's so nice when small batch stuff comes in. People literally, we have regulars who log on to the website daily just in anticipation for something from one of the cultivators coming in that makes them feel like they're smoking on a small batch. That's so cool. It is. I didn't even know that existed in Illinois. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The closest we have is Rev. Rev oh. does small batching. Yeah. That's why Rev is... First off, Rev dominated and won all the High Times Cup last year. Oh, can we bring this topic up? Do you know about the High Times Cup? They give out different backpacks for testing it in the States each year. You can sign up to be a judge. You can sign up to be a judge. The backpack price this year is like almost double, if not more, than what it was last year. In addition to the amount of product and the value of it being pretty much at value, if not starchly worse than purchasing each of those products individually hmm. in smaller quantities, assuming. And it sucks because it's like this it gets so much hype and it's so out of the price zone and there's so many different categories that it kinda it it's turning into a little bit of an exclusivity thing. But in general, last year was pretty on point with Rev sweeping in, I don't know, like six categories. They want concentrates. They want like sativa pre-rolls, indica pre-rolls. They want want a lot of stuff. They're Florida orange. That indica, have you tried it? Mm -mm. We literally had one small batch come in last week. Amazing. Flavor profile through the roof. Turf profile through the roof. Um, A good way people were describing it is uh, Florida orange is as described. Like, it's not false advertisement. It reminds you and tastes like you're in Florida and just having the best orange of your life. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, doesn't that sound amazing? Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, but this year, it's so so out of reach and price point that it's like, damn, it's like, if you don't go in with a friend on it and Mm -hmm. then you're sharing this small amount of each of the products, it's not really that worth it. The only category I would definitely do is concentrates, but... Definitely not if I don't have a Puffco. Like, anyone who's judging it without a Puffco, are you judging it right? Like, how are you getting best taste, best flavor profile? Because it is heated up by an oven. That's true. And so it's... Ceramic. Yeah, it's one of the best ways to smoke because if you're smoking with butane, then you're just hacking your lungs out and burning your l- the back of your throat. Like, it's not a comfortable situation. No. But we're just going... Okay, I'm going to simulate this moment because I'm having a very great time having this conversation because we've been I've been dying to say all this stuff on mic. And this is really a precautionary week. This week is going to be cannabis heavy for all of you listeners. The next two weeks of the show are going to be very cannabis centric. Uh, Lillian's on right now. And next week I'm having on my good friend and co-worker uh, Orlando. He's going to be on for an episode with him and his cultivation group, Six Three Boys, which I can't wait to have that conversation, sample some of the buds, share and talk in rich detail about the growing and horticulture process uh, surrounding cannabis. More to come later on that. Sorry for the plug. No, you're fine. I had to do it. Plug your show right now. 
Geeking Cannabis. Where can you find it? You can find Geeking Cannabis on Spotify, Apple uh, Podcasts. I was about to say Apple Music. It's Apple Podcasts. YouTube has not been updated in a while and will be soon, but as a student, it is quite hard to keep up with everything, including a job. And podcasts are meant to be in audio first. Yes. Um, Just saying. Anyway. <laughs> Any oh, I was tying tying back into oh, what I was um, saying. Yes. After, thank you for plugging that. By All the way. other por- platforms, just go to Red Circle. You'll find something for you to watch it on. Thank exactly. you. Thank you for checking it out. Um, <laughs> this moment's like Brett Weinstein and his wife Heather going off about evolution and science, but for us, it's like cannabis and plant. Marijuana. Mm, it is that. Cannabis. Cannabis, man. It is a beautiful Pot. thing. Oh, did you know that the cannabis in Hawaii, shout out to Mike, shout out, shout out to the best manager in the world. And Maui Wowie. Great friend, Nick. Shout out to Nick. You know who you are. You're a fantastic DJ, by the way. Um, he DJs? Yeah, he DJs. What kind of music? I believe house music, but maybe bass mm. house or... Maybe on the hard style side, but I don't want to offend him if he hears this and say that. I'll I'll ask him. I'll ask him. I believe it's house or hard style. Okay. Like the style you like. Yes. You get me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, where was I going with this? Oh, Hawaii weed. Yes. H- how is Hawaii weed? What is it? And what Moist are the names? Moist as hell because their climate. Oh, yeah. I and mean so it's you pretty much can't roll it in in jays really because really sticky yeah you have to literally light it every single hit because it goes out because it's that sticky and it doesn't pull through oh i've had cannabis like that you literally rip it in bowls bongs pipes or the locals will they'll do they'll do your spliffs Mm -hmm. they'll take tobacco and they'll break it through their flower just so they can smoke it in a rolled up form I cannot wait until you can buy cannabis from everywhere and it's well legal you ca- and you uh, can go can. across we straight lines. Uh, we have, our, we have our medical card, so well we no can. I mean, well, most states, it's really hard to buy cannabis from because I went to Ohio and Colorado and they didn't let me use my medical card. So, mm, if Here's a pro tip. Yes. If you're going on a trip and it's way planned in advance, apply for their medical card in their state for like a visitor's one. So shout out to Nick again. Him and his girlfriend did that before their Hawaii trip. She got approved. He didn't get approved. He wasn't allowed in the dispo, but she got her medical card out there. Completely possible. Okay. What they were able to pick up from a rise or a better life out there. I went to school, and I didn't even know that. Yeah. It's, it takes a process and some time. But yeah. I mean, it would make sense. Like you're yeah. Yeah. But you can. You definitely can. Well, I just can't wait until I'm 21 yeah. in a couple months, and then I can just go Once anywhere. Once we federal, it won't matter. Yeah. Literally. And, you know, it's probably going to take about mm, 18 to 36 months. Yeah. I'm just being realistic. Don't quote me, but I believe that's the number I got from a white-collar gentleman who's writing a lot of books to help in the cannabis industry on the business side and law and stuff like that. He that's went to really exciting. Harvard. I forget his name. Cool. I met him at Canacon. Cool. That's like that. Oh, so oh, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> that was not good. Could I have a sip of the water? Yeah. Was that his current prediction? If I'm remembering it correctly, yes. 
It's it's you know what they're doing in Congress. They're trying to figure out the taxes. They're trying to yeah. figure out where all of that money is going to be fun funneled into because it's going to be oh so gosh. much money. I mean, if it you, is like you could use the tax money from cannabis to have, um, I believe I did the math correctly. Maybe not. I don't even know. Just like free education for the people, right? By using the cat, the cannabis. You're taxes. saying we can invest in in proper, equitable programs that will benefit the communities with the, with the money from cannabis. Yeah, you could also fund like more green bills. Like Biden wants this country to be green by 2030. <laughs> we need more money funneled into that. Yeah, so legalizing cannabis, like we should be using that towards it so like a high speed train i remember we talked about this before like mm -hmm. we brought that up at the beginning yeah is a high speed rail system that is sustainable with like solar panels on the top or whatever so it f fuels itself so you don't need to use fossil fuels that would be beautiful i would love to see someone build such an engineering marvel and then, like, the electronic cars, everyone's worried about them dying. But if you just have, like... We're close, close on that. Yeah. We're, we are very close. The battery tech is getting there. There's a couple brands that have gotten almost to the five, past the 500 point for mileage per charge. And if Hummer, I think, or something, uh, one of my coworkers who's a car guy was mentioning they have some patented secret tech that is like a mega charger, supercharged thing that you 12, like under 15 minutes, full battery, mm -hmm. which is getting much, much better. Like if we can get that down to five minutes, we're talking, we're talking some real competition with gas. Think about it. You're at a gas station for what? Two to three minutes max. If you have a credit card, if you don't run inside to go pay. If you're filling a full tank. So if we can get the charge close to that, and enough stations to meet with the current demands for everyone to immediately switch from gas to electric, that is something that's completely feasible. Yeah. It'd be cool because how Americans currently treat their cars and abuse them to the point because they just never repair them, never do all the maintenance they need to do to keep up with it, that will really go away with electric. Mm -hmm. There's a lot less maintenance needs. Really expensive when there is one, but a lot less. And, I mean, there will be insurance for when it's really expensive and something happens to the electronic car. Just like there is for the gas, too. And eventually those prices will go down because they will be specifically trained for it. Mm. And then the only difference is you'll have to take your car directly to the dealer. Mm. Or somebody who is off-brand, who worked for a dealer, knows how to do it. and then Third party, yeah. Yeah. Makes their own business. That would be fascinating. I wish that everybody had a farm in their backyard and mm. made their own food. I was I I'm really into um, Cinnamon Toastkin. He's a YouTuber, okay, and he goes over different YouTube's YouTube episodes. It's like when I'm br brushing my teeth or whatever, okay. you know. And um, what is he? What's his genre like? What's his content style? It's kind of all over the place, like. It started with Dr. Phil, and they would just, like, comment on it, and then it went to other videos, and it, they went over um, these two Amish girls, although 
somebody in, in the comments said that they're not actually Amish, so who knows? But, um, and how <laughs> I totally forgot my thought. I'm no, so what did the Amish girls do? You were talking about Cinnamon Toast Crunch on YouTube. <laughs> What's his name again? <laughs> Repeat the name for me. Cinnamon Toast Kin. Cinnamon Toast Kin. So he just sort of reviews and comments on videos is what you're saying. Yeah, I really, I don't remember why I was going to connect it or how I was going to. Oh, oh totally I remember cool. now. Okay, so Go the Amish it. girl said, um, I don't understand why nobody farms for their food when she was going into a supermarket for the first time. She's like, Americans are so lazy. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's uh, you bring up a couple valid points and something that I wanted to bring up. Evolutionarily, we, after... The world wars, because world wars were one of the last times. I wanted to bring up this point you mentioned with the gardening at home. You wish everyone did it. Victory gardens to save rations for the wars was one of the last times where self-gardening and self-labor in order to produce the, the goods you need to survive was promoted in the United States and was something that was regulated and something that was taught to the children through home ec, through school, through homing, through all that yada, yada, yada. Going back even further... As an evolutionary creature and understanding our systems and processes that be, we have always, for the longest time, needed to fend, fight, and survive in order to maintain our species' survival, meaning we would always work for our food and do that. And we are in one of the only periods of time right now where with technology, you can walk into a supermarket and pick up a mango on the same day you pick up your bananas, on the same day you pick up your poultry and your vegetables, and all of them are miraculously always in season. And from an evolutionary perspective, that has made us quite lazy as creatures to some extent. And it has disconnected us from what that humanistic perspective of being a hunter and gatherer is like whether you're a vegetarian vegan or you're a meat eater i think there is there is a deeper kinship with our survival and our sh and our understanding of how we are and who we are on this planet when we do have to pick and scavenge and uh hunt for our food i What's just your thoughts on that i just don't like how like, like how does make how does your garden at home make you feel good it tastes really good i mean it took a couple years for it to really set in to be fruitful but now we get so many tomatoes i mean like we that soils the soil is really ripe there now yeah and you know the soil has actually gone up in its ph level so it's more acidic because of how ma how many years we have planted tomatoes and we still we circle the crops but i think we need to start a new garden area actually yeah, yeah. Do you leave all the roots in and let them decay again into the garden yeah, at the end of the we season? We just let the plants decay. Good. And feed back into the soil. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you should try and maybe, I would say, rotate and see what else you can plant there this year. Yeah. I want to start collecting compost and mm. then putting that on top. Yes. And there's a certain way you're supposed Ooh, to lay your smart. garden at the end of the season. You're supposed to put a bunch of um, compost and then newspapers, I believe, and cardboard, cardboard and then leaves. Yep. Well, maybe not newspapers, but just like 
papers that can be recycled and put into the earth. But you don't want anything with ink because that's just going to go right into your soil. Do you want ink in your, in your food, food that you're growing? Right. No. That's not an organic garden. Can we talk about and bring up something that was extremely fascinating? How death is truly the swan and impetus of beginning in relation to fungi. <laughs> yes. How cool are fungi? Fun okay, so for those of you who haven't seen the Fantastic Fungi on Netflix, go watch it. I've mentioned it on several episodes of my podcast as well. Mm. Um, but Fantastic Fungi, wow, you learn so much. And fungi, I think, are the s is the center of life. That's what we have developed from because we have fungi in our own system, correct? Mm -hmm. And an oil spill. An oil spill happened in the ocean. I don't remember where. It's it's EP in the documentary. Yes. Yeah. And um, the fungi, they planted them on this oil spill, and it, s it sprouted new life. And then it got to a point where there was so much foliage on it, and there was bugs and birds. Like, that's wild. It spawned another ecosystem. Yeah. What they did was, because of the oil spill, they did a study and they were curious. Mm -hmm. And the fungi was able to absorb and eat nutrients off the decaying chemical, the decaying chemistry of the oil as it interacted with the fungi. And it spawned and produced an entire and completely thriving bioecosystem. Mm -hmm. And it was quite miraculous to even to even witness that something like that could occur in a process. It really, it was, it was one of the major ticking points of the documentary to make you realize the profound implications of this plant. Mm -hmm. One of the points that terrified me and made me think, geez, we need to, we need to inspire the next generation to get back to nature and to be doing more biomimicry and the fact that if people want to become scientists, that's fantastic and all. We have such great and Everyone wants to become computer scientists for to find the future, but what if we had more fungi colleges and mushroom colleges and people who were exploring these types of things? Because in the documentary, they said we've only discovered like a couple hundred or a couple thousand species, and even then we haven't explored all the medicinal benefits within just the ones we know about. Who knows the ones we don't know about or the ones on other planets? And... Once I heard that profound thought, and I thought, well, that's silly. That's remarkably silly that we don't have triple, if not quadruple, the amount of people studying these substances. You know what's interesting is that with every, like, tribe that we make up, so, like, say, Avatar, they are completely connected with their Earth. And isn't it interesting that what they connect with is things that look like fungi mm. in the movie, if I'm remembering it correctly. And so oh, yes, exactly what, what you are saying with how we need to mm. connect more with the earth, I really agree with that. Yes. Like, we need to protect what we have because we only have this. And I really think that we're, we have frivolous things that we're upset about is mm. as, like, different nations. I think... We can be different entities, but then come to an agreement and work together to fix what we have. Because, like, yes, America is going to be 
green by 2030 by what Biden is saying and what he wants, okay? That's great and all. But then what about what's happening in China with all of the pollution? Like, if we're going to do this, we need to all do it together. Because as a world, it's like still going to die in parts. I agree with you. And it's, it's something that's not going to go away. And like, um, Gretchen, is that her name? Oh, yeah. I, I know she has a lot of stuff. But she has a good message, which is we need to work together and we need to help fix this problem. And I think we're in a generation where a lot of us are inspired to do that and are trying to. And we're creating jobs and finding the knowledge and the ability to, like, how do we fix this? Like, weren't you the one that told me that in um, a desert somewhere across the world they are creating? Oh, yeah, in Dubai. Yeah, they, the clouds. Uh, yeah, they're artificially producing rain because they were having such drought. Yeah, like, why don't we do that everywhere? Is that, like, safe technology? Like, I, I, I really haven't looked into it much further than that I know that they were doing it. Yeah, and that's um, so cool. Like but, yeah, no, I agree with you. I, again, I use the word biomimicry much more freely. I agree, I'm using it more in the sense of we need to observe our environment in a way that is helping the benefits of humanity rather than... We are so... It's almost as if, okay, we are apes. We are apes that got smart. We got Why? S- we got smart, so we got good at surviving. We got good at surviving, so we started innovating. And now we've innovated to a point where we've distracted ourselves and actually become apes again. But now we're intellectual apes, meaning we're following frivolous pursuits in anticipation for, I believe, the next generation and evolution of our species from an intellectual perspective will realize the pursuits that we're following are frivolous and will adjust their pursuits in order to evolve the species further. Because what's after a freaking human? Like, where are we going next? Like, adjustment-wise, we're seeing things like the jaw in general. You can find this data. Uh, I'm not going to take the time to go search it myself, but go look up data and uh, science surrounding the human jaw over evolution becoming weaker and weaker based on the food groups and the dietary habits of our species. You can find studies and data that correlates directly to that. That's why we wear braces nowadays because what? Our jaws are male developed and we're not chewing enough raw things and biting things and doing all these things which also make crooked teeth and do bad things, right? But in general create a stronger jaw which then creates a bigger mouth which evolutionarily helps you to what? Take down more food easily, more nutrients, yada, yada, yada. Right? Darwinistic habits following that. It's it's just like, where was I getting at with this? With jaws and food. Evolution? Yeah. It just ties back into the thought of like biomimicry, right? Yes. And being more conscious of where we came from, how we've come from, where we're going next, and how we can be more in tune with that to better evolve the species. And it, it all revolved around that concept of where where are humans as apes in our evolution going next? And if it is just our brain getting bigger through intellect, I think finding intellectually positive pursuits for the humanities are gonna be extremely more beneficial. 
And I think part of that is making sure that we are eating the right foods. So a lot of, like I was saying before, a lot of food is processed that you can buy on the shelves. And so part of that problem is like, we just need a new system of growing. I think vertical farming is going to be the future. And if we're giving the right nutrients and we're doing it the right way, everyone will be fed and it will be great. Like we will have a water system that is tracked. So every plant, like we need technology and the technology is coming out where we can track exactly how much water a plant needs, exactly what nutrients it needs. And you can plant it in soil and that's the best way to grow your plants. Vertical farming, you can have multiple different layers of plants and it's its own ecosystem. And if we had something like that, we could use abandoned buildings that we're not using anymore and stop ruining the ground that is outside because we really need to start um, regenerating our foliage from like trees that we have burned down in the Amazon and chopped down like we can use ah, hemp for all I of those products and in the Illinois too and it's general ecosystem like it used to be a swampland Illinois, the Midwest, it was swamplands. For like, a long time. Yeah. yeah, and now it's not. Like, we don't have the original ecosystem, and I think that's no. the only way that we're going to help our planet survive. You know, you bring up a good point that I've never thought about. You know how with, uh, with beef, like buffalo and cow, uh, cycle, cycle farming them where, you, where they have four quadrants mm -hmm. and they eat and shit in one quadrant and then after a couple months move to the next quadrant so mm -hmm. the other one can have all the nutrients and absorb all that poop and then regrow the grass and that. Mm -hmm. That same concept needs to happen now with humage and growing vegetables and plants. We need, to, we need to cycle into indoor farming for a period of time so we can allow the earth to do its natural thing mm -hmm. and then reintroduce ourselves back out to the nature, step off the indoor, and then come back to the indoor. And what if we had a more uh, in-tune relationship of cycling both an indoor and an outdoor season to relieve some of the tensity that comes from the need for all outdoor growing currently? I think in cities, you would still see vertical farming all be year very, round. yeah, all year yeah. round because of how many people are there. And, and because you can, you can, if you're smart, you can harvest all year round. You yes. can have one thing in flower while something's in veg. Yes. And you can supply your entire city with food that would not be sustainable from other cities that are doing that outside of like, say, New York or Chicago. Sure. Um, I agree with you. It was a thought that just mm -hmm. was sparked by, um, the sentence structure of what you said, it was so unique. It was cool. Thank you for sharing that that yeah. way. Um, I, I wanted think to, uh, in addition to your, yes. do you know Elon Musk's brother, right? Um, I don't want to quote his name because I don't, I don't want to misquote it. He wears a cowboy hat all the time. He is building that company that you're talking about in New York City with those mm -hmm. uh, factory boxes, the cargo ship container. That's probably where I've heard it from, but yeah. I didn't know that that was who was running Elon it. Elon Musk's brother. Yep, he runs that. Okay. Yeah, which is really cool. And I, I thought it was with a B, like Baron Musk or something. I don't know. Yeah. But to circle back to your point, though, with um, change from, like, I'm thinking more urban mm. is going back to the land, and then you just have compost. So you, you enrich the soil and then you're just trading like, so say one farmer from DeKalb farms whatever this season and then switches with um, Kendall, a different, you know? Yeah, 
I see what you're saying. To like really make sure that the land is not being used up because we only have so much of our topsoil left. Truly. Which is terrifying. I can't remember the exact year otherwise, I'd say it. But it's really not that much longer. And that's why we really need to think of creative methods. Yeah. For the next generation. Yeah. And there's no time to wait at all. If we wait, like we are literally already behind. Yeah. It's <laughs> it's it's a fascinating. Yeah. You know what's something weird too? Mm. Circling back, it's so funny. This is a good conversation because we keep circling back. Mm-hmm. I love conversations that bring back to old points but move on to new ones. Mm-hmm. Bl- why do all the dispos and the growers in Michigan buy old ass retired blueberry farms and turn them into the cannabis farms? Almost every single marijuana farm I've seen or heard people talking about in Michigan was a retired blueberry farm. It's very interesting that you say that. I have no idea what the answer is to that, but I will say... You have a connection to this. One of your professors. Yes. Um, oh, I can't remember. He was my favorite professor. Yes, he was one of mine, too. Oh, my gosh. I hate that I can't remember his name right now. I, I'll think of uh, it. I know his Instagram name man, right now. He just reminded uh, me of... Mr. Uh, Bloodstash. Yeah. <laughs> he reminded me of like a Professor Bluntstash. Just like man, like I just like a complete if there could be a hippie placed in Greece <laughs> and he just had long hair and like like imagine we're just coming out of the like steam house wearing our togas and you'd be like, Yo, what's up, man? And he'd <laughs> run up to you. That's I don't know why that's but if I made a parody movie I could cast him in that role and I could I could see that character coming to fruition. He was so cool. He was dope. He was so, he was, he was very much into mushrooms. He ran a berry farm where he grew blueberries and blackberries and strawberries and raspberries. And then he moved on to cannabis. And he's just but he had knew a, a shit wild ton life. About plants. Oh my gosh. He knows so much. He is the knowledge man. Like, if I wanted to know plants, I would go study underneath him. Yes, that's, that's Zach for me. Shout out to Zach yeah. at work. Another amazing human being. He has a horticulture degree. Knows too much about plants. Matt Labonte. Another one. Shout out. Yeah. Shout out to Matt Labonte. <laughs> Another plant guy. Potentially. That's who I was talking about. But yes. Yeah. Cute. Wow. We've cu- we're hitting. We're breaching so much. And this has been fantastic. I want to. I want to circle back to this topic because I do want to wrap up eventually soon here because it is, you know, almost one in the morning. But before we get back to it, we started twelve fifty. We started this rant and trajectory onto cannabis for so long and plants in general. All off the question that I started and spawned with, and that was, how has your life been? What's been going on? And I wanted to ask, other than cannabis and graduating that school, has there been any other realizations, other uh, life journey experiences or other things that you think might be interesting to talk about or bring up um, that have been either benefiting your life or been introduced into your life or are a part of your life right now? Anything, any other topics like that? A lot. So much has happened. I really feel like I have become in tune with myself. And since we recorded the podcast last, I feel like I went on 
a spiritual journey, a self-awakening journey, and I traveled a lot in the spring semester, and I met one of my grandma's friends, mm-hmm. Pam, and she taught me about Reiki and chakras and stones and... Let's go slow here. Reiki. Reiki. In your words, maybe it's not the full definition. What is it? Reiki is healing through your energy mm-hmm. and being able to feel it. So, um, for example, you close your eyes and you put your hands, not touching, but palms together. And you just sit there and you breathe for a little bit and you see if you can feel energy flowing between them, between your fingertips and between your palms. Mm. And once you then go to somebody, you are imagining that pain or, yeah, so you're you're imagining pain. You're looking for where on their body they have pain and you put your hands on either side of them, not touching. And you are flowing good energy through it and trying to relieve whatever it is. Because when people get stressed, it's not, it, it hides everywhere in your body. That's why yeah. you can have back pain, you can have, uh, your arm hurts, your shoulder so hurts, whatever. So it's a spiritual healing. Yes. What were some of the other words you just said there? Chakras. Chakras. Yes. There are seven chakras in the body. I can't remember all of them, otherwise I'd say them. Um, Keep going. Yeah. I, I have been figuring out how to get myself in tune and also meditation has been something I've been working on and I've gotten a couple different crystals. Oh, Chad's pulling up the chakras right now. And we have the root chakra, which is the bottom. It's associated with the color red. And the Scarla Sacral Chakra. (laughs) (laughs) Scarla Sacral (laughs) Chakra. Your Sacral Chakra is right where your um, reproductive organs are. Mm. Your Solar Plexus plexus Chakra is right in the center of you. Looks like your stomach. Mm Mm-hmm. Your heart chakra is right in the middle of, in between your breasts, next to your heart. Yeah, it's right next to your heart. Your throat chakra is your throat. Your third eye is right in the middle of your forehead, in between your eyes. Where you release sinus pressure. Mm -hmm. And your crown chakra is above you. And it's funny because I've been doing research into what I think are frivolous things for right now, but I just think it's interesting to look into is um, like a twin flame. Apparently when you find your twin flame, all of your chakras are aligned. So if you are into regularly working with your chakras, if you are with someone and you feel completely aligned, then it may be your twin flame. So I want to read this here for someone who maybe wants to hear this. The seven chakras are the main energy centers of the body. You've probably heard people talk about unblocking their chakras, which refers to the idea that when all of our chakras are open, energy can run through them freely, and harmony exists between the physical body, mind, and spirit. It stems from early traditions of Hinduism, and like Lily was saying, those seven 
various focal points on your body are the, I guess, epicenter or entry points, or if you were relating it to the brain, are the neuron epicenters in which allow for energy to be passed through the human body in connection with the other world, the outside world. And energy is all around us all the time. Like You can't turn it off. No, how far apart we're sitting right now, we're in each other's energy fields. You have a couple different layers. I can't remember the names of them. I need I need to look more into this topic actually, but so let me see. Let's see if there are energy layers. See that's energy layers. But that's where like when you hold a crystal or a rock, You're say right. like You're talking about energy fields, right? Yeah. Energy fields. That's also where you can see your aura as well, I believe. So you have your physical. It says amic. Okay, so you have your uric? physical. Yeah, a uric body. It's yes. the most dense energy level. You have the etheric body, which is the next layer. The emotional astral body, which is where that one French guy probably, or the Italian dude lived a lot. He all of his theories are built on that layer. What was his name? You remember the Italian dude who was famous for the astrology in the... Oh, I don't remember his name. I Damn. We'll bring him up another time. That's a good conversation, but we're bridging into crazy topics of spirituality. Mm-hmm. But I want to get back to centering this around you instead of trying to educate on this. So you started to explore the chakras... Um, the spirit healing um, and other forms of tarot you were talking to me about. Mm-hmm. You were also saying there was another one, not tarot, but it's similar, but you made them your own cards. Oh, you're talking about, um, why am I blanking on the name? Oracle cards. Oracle, Oracle as well. Yeah. You started exploring with a lot of different means of spirituality all at once. You know what's interesting, though, is, and it, it kind of gives me shivers because it okay so i believe that everything is meant to happen for a reason sure do you believe that to an extent yes i (sighs) it's a very nuanced conversation but in general i do believe yes personally everything tends to happen for a reason i believe that everything happens for a reason you have a staple you have staple things that are meant to happen. And if you get off that path, because we do have free will, then something happens that pushes you back onto that. Kay. So the Oracle deck and the tarot cards are a way to connect with the universe of what is deemed already going to happen. This is my interpretation of it. Okay, And you then are able to not necessarily predict the future, but have a deeper understanding of the lessons and what you need in your life. The lessons you need to learn, the people you need in your life, or what you need to connect with more, say, with nature or with people around you or whatever. But it's been interesting because I've been pulling a lot of cards lately and... I didn't really understand what they meant, and I don't know if you know about angel angel numbers, and for those of you who don't know, there's one through nine angel numbers, and 
when you see them in groups of three, it's significant, and you'll see them like I see them on um, car license plates, or like if I happen to look over at a mailbox or something like. So new. Uh, numerology and angel numbers are a repetitive sequence of numbers, for example, that are shown to you to convey a divine message. When numbers appear repeatedly, this can be the angels, the angels sending you messages, and it's up to you to receive and to work out what those messages mean. So take it with a grain of salt, because I actually read on a website what <laughs> somebody commented. They're like you are gullible if you fall for this. But then I also, <laughs> I said that. I was like, okay, um, I don't believe in this then. And then I kept seeing the number seven and I keep seeing the in, number three. In, in a, in and I keep seeing the number no, 11. No, 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 let's clarify. Are you seeing the pattern, the triple pattern, or are you just seeing that number often? Both. Because these only says it works in accordance with sequenced. Sequenced is different than the individual numbers, one through nine. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I would have to pull up a sheet. My favorite, okay, (laughs) let's let's talk about this, too. My favorite thing is talking about all these different concepts in one because we tend to find, like, I tend to run myself through circles where some of them retort what the other ones are doing, and so then I'm like, okay... How structurally and functionally can all these exist as one? But we've talked about that, and it's a very fascinating conversation that requires continued thought on this process, continued conversation with other experts and different people. It's it's exciting. Was the astrology guy's name Michelangelo? It might have been correct. And it's interesting because back in the Renaissance, they have done a lot of research into astrology and stuff like that, and that's where a lot of this stuff is based from. And so they were connecting with a divine spirit. They called it God. I don't know if they were li- they were religious back then who was finding out this information. But it's just interesting how when you it's <laughs> go to cafe astrology and put in your birthday, your um, name and your geological place that you were born and the exact time. And you will be able to read a generalized description of your chart. And it's so interesting because it really is like a roadmap to your life. And once you understand, like, there's certain lessons that you're supposed to live, it's that's where I think that free will doesn't exist because you already have a sign. A roadmap. Yeah, you literally have a roadmap that shows you yeah, where no, you've that, been that and where you're where going. That is where determinism and uh, astrology co-allied very well very very well yeah and it could be different you know you could make your own path but at the end of the day like i think you're still going to be pushed in that direction that you need to go in yeah and like back to the tarot card reading actually i've been pulling a lot of cards that say aquarius purple and green Mm. and it's very interesting tonight because i was trying to figure out what it meant and i was actually talking to maddie ethan's your brother's girlfriend and i i think she was she is what my tarot cards in my oracle deck have been telling me about which is really cool because i have been like we said earlier i've been going on this path for all of the spiritual journey she's already deeper into that path and know people that can help Mm. guide us in a way that will deepen our spiritual knowledge 
And so that's really exciting. And I think, and I've been telling you too, I need more, f- I need more female friends that are a positive influence in my life that like the things that I'm into that will help and she deepen every one of those markers. Yes. Which is, it's cool. Like I'm, it's not a way to predict the future, but it's a way to help you on your path. And it, it just clicks. You know and you what just the know. one thing that I haven't acknowledged yet in all of the times that we've had conversations and you've mentioned this, the one thing I like is it's making you more in tune with the day to day. It's making you really appreciative, aware, and in tune with living in the moment. And that's the most as a human you could ever ask for, is when you can fully be in the moment and present with what's going on, that's when you're winning. Yeah. And that's been one of the most unique and exciting things about hearing you discuss and us um, collaborate on exploring this topic. And I don't know everything. I'm just no. researching. And like some I. articles, that's too, the, like the best part they of existing. not even right, but... If I knew everything, I would hate that. Our brains would literally explode if we knew everything. I would hate that. It would hurt my brain. It would make me boring. Like, literally, my whole freaking personal material... My whole... My my materialistic pursuit is education. Mm. That is the most materialistic pursuit for me. Me too. And the most selfish one. I mean, if you can learn... Like, my personal... Like, my my opinion on, like, what... Like, like my life goal is, Mm -hmm. is just to connect Mm -hmm. with people. Like, I think that's, like, the purpose of life. But if you want to hear me ramble on that topic, we should do a separate conversation on that in another episode because it is getting late. But, yeah, no, that's in short what I think it is about. But if I had to, like, be selfish right now, that's that's a good one. Yeah, I mean, me too. I think the reason why people come to a point where they'll – shoot up a school is because they aren't having the basic thing that we are here for that you said human connectivity connecting with other humans when you close off someone so much you damage their mind to a point where they go to that extreme and something that i'm really big on is mental health as well Mm. and that's really why i got into the cannabis industry actually i have seen so many people's mental health fixed yeah and the crazy thing is is it's different scenarios it's not the same mental health people are being fixed. It's not like I'm just seeing people who are depressed all of a sudden are happy. It's like someone over here was suffering from PTSD. This person over here has severe anxiety. This person has uh, asthma and ADHD, and it's helping them. It's like there's so many unique and prosperous experiences to come from individual cannabinoids being introduced to our personal CB- CB1 and CB2 receptors mm-hmm. that... I'm just so blessed that we're a part of the growth of that. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, life just keeps chugging forward. I want to write a book. I want to save up money, buy my own car for the first time, save up money for a house, and whatever other ventures I want to do, start my own business, maybe start small and go bigger to what I want to do when I'm older. But it's just going to take capital and people who believe in my dream and... damn well-written dream yeah season one of this show is extremely wild and there's so many different twists and turns and berries in it Mm -hmm. but it's extremely cool and i can't wait to go back and listen to the to the show and like the trajectory of it over time yeah um do you have any oh voice crack that was (laughs) horrible that's a clear sign (laughs) at 106 uh final pieces of wisdom or final thoughts you want to leave for the listeners because this has been fun thank you yeah this has been a good episode 
don't be afraid to be yourself even if you mess up and don't be scared to do something that you think you might not do wrong just think of like okay this could go very very badly and maybe give yourself the worst scenario you can think of okay well then it can't get any worse than that so then put your best foot forward and give yourself the confidence to do whatever it is that you want to oh please also don't look at your phone and drive (laughs) (laughs) we have an epidemic right now people everybody like just stares at their phone everybody's addicted (laughs) to their phone um it's true guys wake up we need we need more focus we need more people who are pushing this country forward and innovation i i'm oh Seek truth. Seek truth. Never stop questioning uh, anything that you're listening to. Who's Alex Jones? He's just—he's a maniac. He's a—he is a—he is a truth. He's a truth seeker. Mm. Seek the truth, like Alex Jones. (laughs) Oh, I want (laughs) to clip that. My favorite part is you—you aren't very aware of him, but he's a very controversial individual, but not in a bad way. You are not saying someone's name like it's like a terrorist. I hope not. No, you're saying a truth seeker's name. Just so look at just every like that, force, folks. Every source. <laughs> <laughs> never stop questioning things because you never know where you're being lied to. I love how we can have to. such a good conversation and then right at the end, just like, just like that, we can like twist and change the direction of it for the listener. But I hope that gives you all a little chuckle, like it, it <laughs> makes the end of this conversation yeah. fun for us. So, and without further ado, folks, that's the end of this episode. Have a great day. Enjoy life. Live the adventure. I'm going to borrow this from Roman Atwood. You're beautiful. You're one of a kind. Smile more. And we'll see you next week. Peace. Bye.